Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we just acknowledge the Lord in prayer? Dear God, we thank you so much for all of your blessings to us. Father, thank you that you are a faithful God. Thank you that you never change, that you never go back on your word. Thank you that you are a God that we can trust, we can put our very lives in your hands. Father, thank you that you don't treat us as we deserve, that your love is never failing and is everlasting. Father, thank you that you don't love just in word, but you love indeed. You protect us and provide for us. You give us strength for each day. You meet our needs, dear God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your son, that you loved us so much that you sent your one and only son to down the cross for our sins. Thank you that we can have freedom from sin and live in a relationship with you because of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for the body of Christ, for our brothers and sisters and those who walk this walk of faith with us. We just love you and appreciate you and thank you. Father, we don't even have the words to really express just how much we adore you and how worthy you are of our praise. Father, we just pray that these feeble words and just the very uh, desire of our heart, dear God, will just reach you and that you would know how much we care for you and help us to live in a close, intimate relationship with you each and every day. But we thank you for who you are. Thank you for how faithful you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God is faithful. And it's so good to be here with you again this uh, Sunday morning. And I want to continue looking as we were last week at the life of Joseph, just a fantastic Bible character. And I've gotten so much out of studying his life and want to share some of these insights with you today. But let's begin in Hebrews chapter 11. A few verses there I want us to read and then we'll turn our attention back to the passage in Genesis. Hebrew chapter 11 and we want to look at verses 1 through 6. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for, and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was, made, was not made out of what was visible. By faith Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. If we were to go on and read in this 11th chapter of Hebrews, a chapter is often called the faith chapter, we would see a list of the Hebrew, uh, heroes of faith. It's almost a who's who of biblical characters or a hall of fame of those who did miraculous and incredible things for God. We read about Abel, who offered a better sacrifice than Cain. About Enoch, a man who didn't see death. God just took him away without him dying because he had the testimony that he pleased God. He mentions Noah, who built the ark. 
an act of faith in God. And then Abraham, who was given a promise and told to leave his own homeland and go to this promised land. And he did, not knowing where he was going to go or where he was going to end up, but he went by faith. And then Isaac, who blessed Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob himself, who blessed Joseph's sons, all looking forward to the ultimate one who would come. And of course, that would be Jesus Christ. And then he mentions Joseph. And about the exodus from Egypt in this passage and people like Moses and Rahab, etc. In verse 13, let's just read that one. It says, and all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. These heroes of faith had such faith that although many of them never accomplished or saw exactly what they hoped for, this promised Messiah in the end. Yet they believed. They never let go of that. And that's what real faith is. Faith is trusting in God no matter what. Believing in Him. Holding on to His promises. Even in spite of evidence to the contrary. No matter what come, what goes, no matter who comes and goes in our life, we hold on to faith in God. This faith in God isn't just kind of an intellectual thing, just what we believe in our heart, but it's faith in action. Actually putting something at risk, as Abraham did. It wasn't enough for Abraham to say, I believe you, God, that you'll give me this promised land. If he just stayed in his homeland, he had to step out. That showed that he really had faith. And many others were the same. And that's why I want to look at the life of Joseph, because it really is a life of faith. Here in, in Hebrews 11, it talks about what real faith is. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith in God makes the invisible visible. Faith in God makes what you don't actually possess yet tangible. It's just as real as if it was there. This is what faith in God will do. And we see this faith in the life of Joseph. And there are some things I want us to look at about Joseph's life. But the key to understanding his life is his faith in God. The reason Joseph was able to be successful and prosper, the reason he was able to do all that he did was because of his undying, un unchanging faith in God. The first thing we see about Joseph's life here is that he had the faith to overcome discouragement. Let's look at Genesis chapter 39 verses 1 through 6. Passages that we read last week, but let's just read them again. Genesis 39, verse number 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph was given insight by God into his future. He was given a dream that one day his brothers and his father would kneel down to him. But after that, a lot of bad things happened to him. And now he finds himself a slave in Egypt in Potiphar's house. 
If he had allowed himself to become discouraged, he would have never prospered in Egypt. He could have had a pity party. He could have felt like his life was over and that all he's going to ever do is just be a slave in Potiphar's house. But it was his faith in God that allowed him to continue to be faithful in the little things. And then one day God made him ruler over many. I think sometimes when we read these scriptures and think of people like Joseph and Moses and David and other biblical characters, we can almost make them larger than life. And we can lose some of the human element out of the story. Imagine a young boy of 17, snatched from his family, betrayed by his brothers, sold into slavery. Now he's a slave in Potiphar's house. He has no expectation that he will ever see his homeland again. He has no expectation that he would ever see his father again or his brothers again. His life, for all intents and purposes, would seem to be over. Nothing good is ever going to happen to him. But yet in the midst of that very difficult situation, the thing that allowed him to continue to work hard, to excel, to stand out among all the other slaves in Potiphar's house was his faith in God. His faith that God was with him allowed him to succeed where success seemed impossible. Now, as we read the biblical text here in chapter 39 and, and following through 45, several times it says this phrase that's very important. The Lord was with Joseph. And we know that as we read the story. But how did Joseph know that God was with him? How can you know God is with you when your brothers betray you and throw you into a pit? In that pit, would you feel like God is with me right here? That he's still watching over me? If he's watching over me, then how did he let this happen? How could he feel that God was with him when he is sold into slavery in Egypt, separated from his family and now have no expectation he'll ever see them again? We know it because we read the story. We know the end. But Joseph didn't know the end at that moment. How did he know that God was with him? Well, the reason Joseph was able to know that God was with him was because of his faith in God. His faith in God made the presence of God very real to him. Although all contrary, all evidence was to the contrary, he believed that God was still with him. And this is the key for us today. Are you feeling discouraged? Have the circumstances and situation of your life got you pressed down a bit? Do you feel at times like your life is over or things are never going to be like they were before? Maybe sometimes you even kind of reflect in your mind the good old days. Times when things were so much better and you were better and everything was going well in your life. And it may be very tempting to just feel like there's no hope. I'll give up. But the difference between being encouraged and being discouraged is the choice you make to continue to believe in God. To trust in Him. You can't put your faith in people because people can let you down. And then people are at limits sometimes of what they can do. All of us have experienced that. There's been times when I have felt very, you know, uh, much empathy for someone and the situation they was in and wanted to do something to change it, but I didn't have power to do it. And there's been times when I've relied on other people and hoped that they could help me and they haven't come through. But the reason we can have faith in the midst of life's discouraging things and when bad things happen to us is because we serve a faithful God. Amen. He is able to do what we can't do. He never changes. He never gives up. He never goes back on his word. This is a choice that we have to make. Here's what it says in Hebrews 11 and 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It takes faith to become a Christian. 
Because you have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He died on the cross for your sins, and that if you confess your sins, He'll forgive you, and He'll begin a relationship with you. That takes faith. When a person accepts Christ, God does not come down in a physical form and give them a certificate of salvation or anything like that. It's just faith, believing, and acting on that. It's the same with living the Christian life. It takes faith each and every day. And without faith, it's impossible to, to please God because we must believe that he exists and that if we continue to seek after him and to search after him, he will reward us. The key in Joseph's life was how faith overcame his difficult situation, discouragement, was that he chose hope over despair. I wonder if there's somebody here today that will make a determination to choose hope over despair. To choose to believe. Yeah, you can look at your situation, circumstance, and say, there's no reason I should feel any different about it. You don't know what I'm facing. It's not going to change tomorrow. It's not going to change next week. I've been dealing with this for years, maybe for, for decades. And it's just the same. You have to choose to believe God because he is able. And this is what Joseph did. And because he believed, he didn't get discouraged, and he was able to prosper. As I studied this this week, I was struck by this thought. How different Joseph's life, his story, would have been if when he found himself in Egypt, he had given up. He had every right to humanly. He could have said, this is the end of my life. This is a terrible situation. We would have never have read about him. He wouldn't be this great hero of faith that he is to us today. And God wouldn't have done the wonderful things in his life. It is so easy for us to find ourselves in difficult situations and give up hope and miss out on the blessings that God has for us in the future. You have to choose to believe. If you wait until things change, if you wait until there's some evidence that things are turning your way or that God has worked on your behalf, if you're saying, God, show me a sign, give me some glimpse that you're still with me, you're still working, then you will always be discouraged. Joseph had none of that. Nothing had changed in his life. He was still a slave in Egypt, still betrayed by his brother, still separated from his father, but he chose to believe. And that was the thing that, that blessed him. His faith to overcome the difficult situation and discouragement. Here's the second thing Joseph's faith did. He had the faith to overcome temptation. Let's continue to read there in chapter 39, picking up at verse number 7. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She called him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them. This Hebrew has been brought to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. She, clept, she kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. 
But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Here's another instance where Joseph is severely tested. Here he's been in the house for a while and then the master Potiphar's wife starts to notice that he's a quite handsome young man. Strong, handsome looking and she starts to come on to him. Well, the reason Joseph was able to refuse her advances was because of his faith in God. He believed that God was still with him. He still trusted him and he wanted to do nothing that would disappoint God. He didn't resist her because he wasn't attracted to her. That's not what the story says. It doesn't say, well, Joseph didn't find her attractive. He didn't do it because he was afraid that he would get caught. He didn't do it because, or not do it because he was afraid that Potiphar would punish him. He was concerned about disobeying God, dishonoring God. As I thought about this, I was really struck and impressed by Joseph's life. How many of us have been in similar situations? Far away from home, far away from church, around the influence that you grew up with, or the people who would know you. And it would be a great temptation when you're away. And, and unfortunately, there's some Christians that do that. When they go on holiday, they stop being a Christian. <laughs> you know, when they're away from all of the, the people of God and things, they start doing things they wouldn't do if people who knew them could see them. But here was Joseph, far away from home, no standards to hold up, nobody to say, you know, you're, you're a believer in Yahweh, this is how you should live. And he could have just given in to it. He could have felt, what's the use of doing right? God is not here. If God cared for me, I wouldn't be in this situation. So, so how should I, why should I care about him? But it was because of his faith in God that even in that situation, he still did what was right. I wish I had that testimony when I was a young man. He was 17. And when I was 18, I left Chicago where I grew up and in the, uh, the church there and went off to the military, to the United States Marine Corps out in California, thousands of miles away for the first time in my life outside of a Christian influence and influence of my, either my parents or, or the school I was in. And when I got out there in the Marine Corps, they really encouraged you and taught you how to swear and to drink and do all these things. That's the kind of reputation. You know, you're hard fighting and partying as well. And I was ashamed of my Christian witness. And I tried to hide and just blend in with everybody else and make sure I didn't bring any, you know, uh, undue attention on myself, especially from the drill instructors. You know, I was so afraid that if they knew that I was a Christian or a church boy, then they would just single me out and just for abuse. I got enough abuse as it was, as everybody else did. And I can, I can just imagine how and relate to how Joseph must have been in this ungodly environment, away from home, able to just do whatever. And not only that, humanly speaking, it might have actually benefited him to give in to Potiphar's wife. Get in good with the wife, maybe he would get even extra duty or, uh, or better duty or you know, just make his life better for him. But he didn't think about any of that. He stood firm for what he believed because his faith in God. There may be times in our own lives 
when we'll be tested in that way. When you'll have to stand up for what's right. Maybe you're the only Christian in your, in your place of work. And everybody else is doing all kinds of things and have ungodly attitudes and lifestyle. And you could just blend in. Just go along with it to make sure nobody knows you're different. You know, especially you may find yourself in an environment where you're away from other Christians. But will you hold to what is true, as Joseph did? The key to it is not Joseph's self-discipline. It wasn't, you know, he thought about the implications of it or the consequences. He was concerned only for his relationship with God. When we're faced with temptation, we won't overcome it on our own. We need God's help. And we need the faith. We have to have faith to believe that just as God has saved us, He can keep us saved. Just as He has uh, saved us from our sins, He can deliver us from whatever temptation come our way. I find it interesting that sometimes you ask Christians about, is it possible to live free from sin? Is it possible to resist the temptations that Satan brings our way? And people feel like it's not. You know, you ask them, can God raise the dead? Absolutely. Can he heal the sick? Absolutely. Can he give sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf? Can he cause the lame to walk? Absolutely. Can he keep us from lying? Oh, I'm not sure about that. Can he keep us from having lust in our hearts? Oh, that's, that's a difficult one. I'm not sure God can do that. Can he help me to overcome uh, unforgiveness in my heart towards somebody? God can do anything but fail. The key to overcoming temptation in our life is to believe that God has the power to do what we can't do on our own. On our own, we're powerless. On our own, we can't live this Christian life. But with God, we can. Here's what the scripture says about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. Isn't that good news? It's good to know that God will never allow us to be tempted above what we're able to bear. So when we're tempted, we can't ever feel like, oh, this is just this is just too much. I have no choice. You know, sin I must because this temptation has come. God promises that he is faithful. He will not let you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. The key to Joseph's success was faith to overcome temptation. Not trusting his own strength, but trusting in God. And that's the key for us as well. Our faith in God. Here's the third thing we see in Joseph's life. A faith to overcome bitterness. And we talked about this a bit last week. But let's look at another uh, uh, aspect of this in Joseph's life found in Genesis chapter 50. Last week we looked at him revealing himself to his brothers in chapter 45, but that wasn't the only opportunity Joseph had to express bitterness and get revenge against his brothers. Let's read in verse number 50. Verse 50, uh, I mean chapter 50, verse 18 through 20. Well, let's start at verse number 15, in fact. We'll go back a bit and just read the whole passage there. Verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. And now, I'm not real sure if the father ever actually did that. Uh, the, the text doesn't say that he did. But they said, This is what uh, father left these instructions to say. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. 
Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then, don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. Joseph had the faith to overcome bitterness. You know, initially when he revealed himself to his brothers, he didn't seek revenge at all. But you could say it was because his father was still alive. You know, and he was trying to do what was right and didn't want to harm his brothers while his father was alive. But now his father is dead. He is the second most powerful person in all of Egypt. He has every opportunity to take revenge, but he doesn't. His brothers are so concerned about it that after their father died, they come to him and say, Listen, dad said before he died to tell you, don't harm us, to do us good, don't try to get us back. And the human tendency in that kind of situation would be to seek revenge. But Joseph did not do it. The same with us in our life. Has anyone ever hurt you? Are you dealing with some you know, hurt or scar from the past? Someone who has disappointed you or said bad things about you or hurt you in some way? The key to overcoming that is not that they will change. The key to overcoming is not that they will come and fall at your knees and beg your forgiveness. Not that they will go back and try to fix whatever wrongs they've done to you. That's not the key to overcoming it. The key to overcoming it is your faith in God. It's easier to forgive when you have faith in God. When you put the situation in His hands. We read last week about how God says, you know, if your enemy hurts you, don't try to seek revenge. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Do you have the faith to trust God in that situation? The more we trust Him, the easier it is to overcome bitterness in our life. And to just trust that this is all part of God's plan. Joseph realized that it wasn't uh, just their desire to do this, but that God had a plan in it. Look again at what he says there in verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done. We never know. How even what somebody does against us, the bad things they do to us, might be part of God's larger plan. To take you to a place that you would never be otherwise. And Joseph realized that. If we're going to overcome unforgiveness and bitterness in our heart against people. If you're going to ever let go of that pain that you feel before what somebody's done for you. You've got to just trust in God. Allow Him to help you with it. And then finally... Joseph had the faith to overcome the pitfalls of success. Joseph had the faith to overcome discouragement. He, he had the faith to overcome temptation. He had the faith to overcome bitterness. But perhaps this one is the strongest one that he had to have faith to overcome. And that's the pitfalls of success. Look at verse, uh, chapter 50 again, verse 22 through 26. It says, Joseph stayed in Egypt. Along with all his father's family, he lived 110 years and saw the third generation of Ephraim's children. Also the children of Makar, son of Manasseh, were placed at birth on Joseph's knees. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely come to your aid and will take you up out of this land to the land he promised on earth to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And Joseph made the sons of Israel swear an oath and said, God will surely come to your aid. And then you must carry my bones up from this place. So Joseph died at the age of 110. And after they embalmed him, he was placed in a coffin in Egypt. Joseph had the faith to overcome the pitfalls of success. I was remember, as I prepared this, I was reminded of an instance back again when I was 18 and about to go off to the military. A cousin of mine, who's only about 18 months older than me, came by the house to say goodbye to me. And uh, I remember to this day, although it's been about 30 years ago, what he said. He said, Darnell, don't forget who you are and where you come from. And, you know, pretty profound advice for somebody who's about 19 at the time, 19 and a half. But he realized that I was leaving home and about to go off to California and I was going to be in the military and going to be exposed to new people, new things and have a lot of freedom. And he said, just don't forget who you are and where you come from. And that's what Joseph did. Although he became the governor of all of Egypt, a very wealthy, powerful man, he never forgot who he was and where he came from. He never forgot that he was of the lineage of Abraham and that he was a believer in Yahweh. In Egypt at that time, the Pharaoh was considered to be a god. People worshipped him. Very exalted, lifted up position. And those people who were in high positions as Joseph was almost like many gods. Where people just gave them the ultimate respect. Just, just would fall at their feet and whatever he said was law. That was it. No contradiction. A man in that position could have allowed it to go to his head. But Joseph never completely became Egyptian. He never saw himself of wanting to be there and to, to settle his family there forever. And so as he was dying, he's saying, I remember the promise that God made to Abraham. The promised land. And when you guys go there, when God deliver you, take me with you. He never forgot his roots and who he was. That's why in Hebrews chapter 11, when Joseph is mentioned in this list of heroes of faith, it says, By faith Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about his bones. He was still remembering the promise that God had made to Abraham and wanted to be a part of that. Here's the challenge for us. Would success spoil you? What if in a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, your whole life changed? It happens. I mean, there have been people whose life, they, I mean, they, they write a book or they invent something or just something happens, you know, in their life that brings them success they had never imagined. And sometimes it comes later in life. It's not always just in your 20s or 30s. And some people are in their 50s, 60s, and 70s suddenly find themselves with either fame or recognition or money that they never had. If God allowed that to happen in your life, would it change you? Would it spoil you? I wonder how many of us would be in church every Sunday morning if we had the money to go anywhere in the world. You could get on a jet or you have your own private jet. You could go and do... Would you still be as faithful to the things of God? Would you volunteer at the coffee shop next door if you were a multimillionaire? Would you do all the things in service for the Lord in your life today if you had that kind of success? And that's why I, f I feel that one of the lessons we learned from Joseph's life is he had the faith to overcome the pitfalls of success. He never stopped trusting God. 
He never stopped living for him. He never allowed success to spoil him. He didn't allow material things to take him away from God. The way we do that is to remember that no matter what it is that God blesses us with, it's not ours. It's his. We're just stewards of it. It all comes from him. And as the Lord gives, the Lord can take away. And whatever God has blessed us with, it's not just for our own benefit. It's to be used to bless others and advance the cause of Christ in this world. Joseph had the faith to overcome success. The point I'm trying to make this morning, and I hope it's coming clear to you, is that you look at Joseph's life, all that he accomplished, all that he was, all that he did for God. If you want to know the secret to his success, it was his faith in God. A faith in God that no matter what happened, no matter what difficulties, what successes even, he never stopped trusting and living for God. And that's what we need to take away from this for our lives today. One last thing. I was um, reminded as I prepared this about uh, a film called The Pale Rider. It's a western starring Clint Eastwood. And what would church be if you didn't have a picture of Clint Eastwood to look at <laughs> with his preacher garb on there? Uh, the plot in this film, if you haven't seen it, centers on a conflict between a group of simple, poor gold miners and the most powerful man in a nearby town, a man named LaHood. And this man, LaHood, wants to take over these simple miners' land, and he tries everything he can to discourage them and to run them off. The poor miners have endured all types of abuse and intimidation, and they're just about ready to quit and give up the land when a mysterious drifter appears on the scene. This drifter is Clint Eastwood. The drifter is invited into the miners' camp, and he surprises them all by wearing a minister's collar uh, to dinner when he comes to dinner that night, and thus he acquires the nickname Preacher. LaHood, the man who wants to take over their land and is the most powerful man in the town, hears about this preacher coming to town when he returns from a trip to the state capitol. LaHood is immediately very concerned. His young son is perplexed by this and asks, you know, why are you concerned? It's just some preacher, he says. The father replies that a preacher is the worst person who could have come to that camp. These miners, he says, we're just about whipped and ready to give up. But a preacher, a preacher can give them faith. A preacher can give them hope. You see, it wasn't the preacher himself that LaHood was worried about. It was what this preacher might give them. LaHood realized the power of faith and hope. He knew that these poor miners with a little faith could become very strong. He knew that with a little faith, these miners who were so scared they were ready to run would gain the courage to stand up to him. LaHood realized that with a little faith, those miners who felt hopeless and defeated would begin to believe that they could win. And he knew that his men, his guns, and his money were no match for a people filled with faith. And that's why he was so concerned about this preacher. Here's the thing about faith. Faith in God can move mountains. Faith in God can help you to overcome discouragement. It can help you to overcome whatever difficulty and situation in your life. Faith in God can give you the strength to overcome temptation. Faith in God can keep you rooted and grounded when success comes your way. With a little faith in God, you can do extraordinary things in your life. 
All you have to do is choose to believe. Believe God. Trust Him to take care of the rest. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? If you would, just for a moment, to just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just listen to what God is saying to you right now. Dear God, we thank you so much for this lesson. Thank you once again for the life of Joseph and for his wonderful example and the things that we can learn from his life and apply to our own. Father, thank you for this man of faith. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us in our own lives to have this same kind of faith, this dogged determination to trust you no matter what. To believe in you, no matter the circumstances, and to know that you would never leave us nor forsake us, and you would never fail us. Father, thank you for this individual who's raised their hand saying, yeah, I need that faith, and I want to have that kind of faith in my life. Thank you for their honesty and their openness and their boldness to ask you, dear God, for help. I pray that you would meet their need and strengthen and encourage them, help this faith to become very real in their life today. Father, I pray for all of us that we will be people of faith. God, everyone here, we all have our situations and our difficulties. No doubt all of us are facing challenges in our life. And sometimes our faith does get a little bit weak. Sometimes we do feel ourselves very much just on edge and wondering if we can hold on. Father, I just pray that something has been said here today and your spirit will minister to our hearts, to encourage our hearts. And let us know that we can hold on to your unchanging hand, that we can trust you, we can believe in you, and help us, dear God, to rebuke Satan as he comes with his doubts and his whispering thoughts in our minds, telling us that we can't make it, that we can't do it. Help us, Father, to have that faith to believe in you and know that although we might be weak, you're strong. Although we can't do it, you can. So, Father, increase our faith. Help us to be people of faith and uh, to be able to, to see you do things in our life beyond our wildest dreams. Father, thank you for everyone here. Just pray that you help them all to receive a blessing in their soul. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.